Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Oh, yeah. Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. UFC Vegas 62 preview show starts now. I mean, how can you not get fired up for anything after listening to that introduction? From the man on the ones and twos, E. Casey Lyde. Welcome to the UFC Vegas 62 preview show here on MMAfighting.com. It's nice to be back after a rare weekend off for the UFC. Two out of the last three weekends we've had off. But now it is onwards and upwards. We got this card on Saturday. We're eight days away from UFC 280. As a matter of fact, eight days from right now, we will be probably into the third fight of the main card of that action-packed UFC 280 card. But before that, we got the go-home show, back of the apex, big one at 125 pounds between Alexa Grasso and Viviani Araujo will be the main event. So thanks for joining us. I am Mike Keck, and joining me is a man that we've not seen in a little while. He retired from BTL, but he is not retired from doing preview shows. Let us say hello to the co-host of No Bets Bard, the host of Dan They Were Good, and uh, a surefire first out BTL Hall of Famer, Jed Bashu. Hello, Jed. Hey, buddy. It's good to see you. It's been so long. God, retirement really is great. Let me tell you, it is just spectacular. AK Lee out here doing the damn thing for MMAfighting.com, great website. And we've got an event to talk about. So it's, <laughs> it's a great day. Now, this event looked a little bit different yesterday at this time better and then just say the word morning, better yes when i when i started heck of a morning there was a a sense of positivity and there still is like this card compared to ufc vegas 61 still is a better card on paper i'm more amped for that for this card than i was ufc vegas 61 main event with some stakes interesting storylines and co-main events I'm not sure but unfortunately but unfortunately the best fight on the card, the quote-unquote people's made event at 125 pounds between Brandon Royval and Askar Askarov, no longer happening. And to me, as good as I felt about this card heading in throughout the week, it was this fight in particular that put it over the top for me. And now we don't have it, Jed. So 
I know you're not AK. We don't drop gymnastic scores all that often, but what are your thoughts on this card as a whole now without this fight that everybody seemed to have circled on their fight cards? Well, this is like a 4.6, maybe. This is a tough one, man. It's a really tough hang. Uh, the askarov Hoival fight, that was doing some real heavy lifting as far as my level of care for this fight. Because the, the thing about the main event, and I feel like a really bad fan, I don't it, – it's not drawing me in. And like I recognize that theoretically we even have a flyweight title fight like on the line. If Grasso wins, like not a lot of people there in front of her to take that title shot against Shevchenko. It's I, – I've just – I don't know. Alexa Grasso has never inspired me to be stoked about a fight card, and I don't know if she ever will. Uh, similar with Viviani Arujo, it's just the main event isn't pulling me in. The co-main event seems a lot more likely to be sad than it is fun. Um, and the best fight on the card, the fight I was by far the most interested in, is no longer there. So I, honestly, I just pulled up UFC 261 or Vegas 261 to see I don't I don't know man like this card might be worse than that one on on paper. Now that one also played out not well, so maybe this one will <laughs> will play out better, but like I there are not a lot of things to hang your hat on as far as I'm concerned for this fight card. Except it is only 11 fights and it is an early start time. So I'm actually just, virtue of those two things, I'll give it a 5.6. It will bump up one full point on my score. Wow, that is a that's a big point right there. That's a big jump uh, from four point six to five point six. Eleven fights, t- ten to eleven fights is ideal. Four p.m. start time. This is a plus stuff in, in that regard. So we have this main event: Alexa Grasso versus Viviani Araujo. Both women coming off of good performances in their last fights. Both are up-and-coming fighters in this division. I remember there's a lot of hype around Araujo when she came in. Alexa Grasso, there's been hype around her ever since she got into the UFC. It feels like she's starting to, to come into her own a little bit. And most people believe that if we're talking title implications for this fight, they're more so on the Alexa Grasso side over the Viviani Araujo side. Do you agree with that sentiment? And either way, is the winner of this fight automatically a Caitlin Chukagian fan next week? I mean, you have to be. Um, well, I don't know. I, I don't actually know if that works for Arujo because she just lost to Chikagian, like very recently, right? Um, so, I mean, I don't think Arujo gets a title fight with a win. I think she is at least one win away on top of beating Grasso this weekend. If Grasso wins, she might be able to sneak in there just because – Honestly, like the next person who should get like if Chukagian wins next weekend, she should get a title fight. I don't think she's going to, but she should. She will have done everything that is wor- worthy of and and deserving of a title fight. Uh, but just because of how that first fight with Shevchenko went, and because who Caitlin Chukagian is, and she doesn't inspire people in that way, uh, I don't think she gets it. I mean, I'm pulling it up now. That would be a five fight win streak since the Andrade KO six of her last or of seven outside of Andrade, like she deserves a title fight. Uh, I think Grasso could sneak in over her because the only other person sort of even in the conversation is like 
Maybe Rose nom- is who? Oh, well, yeah, but that's I'm talking if, if Chikagian wins. Um, right. Uh, but, you know, maybe Rose Namajunas makes the decision to come up. And it's really like Tyler Santos. Like that's just getting a rematch would be maybe something that could happen. Like division's wide open, so anything could happen. I just find it really hard to think that uh, Arusho gets – gets a title fight with a win regardless of what happens. And certainly if Ma- if Manafuro wins, then she's probably getting the shot. So right now the betting lines have Alexa Grasso as a minus 230 favorite, the comeback on Viviani okay. Araujo plus 195. And I've had a lot of people say that they feel this fight should be lined a little bit closer. It's, it's more of a 50-50 fight than a minus 230 fight. Do you think the lines are – are you surprised by the lines or is this sort of where you would have it? Uh, the lines keep moving, which I find interesting. Let me pull something up really fast. Um, yeah, it's I, – I have it closer than this. I thought – like when I was looking at it, I thought minus 190-ish would be in the neighborhood. Uh, this one has ballooned because minus 230 is pretty close to 70-30 win, win probability, right? Like a 70% chance to, for her to get the dubs. And I don't – that doesn't feel right to me. Uh, my other issue is I've just never been sold on Alexa Grasso, you know, it's just, I, she has a lot of talent, but, uh, her performances have never, they've never sung, right. They've just been there. So, uh, it's hard for me to think that she should be this big a favorite over somebody who is a very competent fighter in Viviani Arujo, but at the same time, Arujo's 35, um, and that's old, for fighting in general and certainly in this weight class there's not like a big long history of people being that old and succeeding so you know uh we'll see i do think you know if i if i'm just betting you know even odds i'm certainly picking um grasso to get the dubs but i could see taking a shot on a rougeau at this number Except for you shouldn't take a shot at rougeau at this number whatever i'm about to pull this up if you're gonna bet vivian Rougeau, just bet Viviana Rougeau by decision because that number is going to be bigger. It's plus 300. Yeah, definitely do that instead. That's way better. What do you think? What's the big difference maker in this fight? Why Why do you think people are leaning more towards Alexa Grasso here from a, a stylistic perspective? Because they don't have a lot of five-round main event experience. They're both they, – the resumes are – I don't know, because Grasso has a lot of experience at 115. She's been in there with the current champion. A lot of people felt like she won that fight. She's been trying to to live up to the hype that really that's been surrounding her since she got into the UFC. She's definitely getting more comfortable in there. But why do you think people view this as a 70% win prob for Alexa Grasso from a stylistic perspective? I'm not sure they view it from a stylistic perspective so much as I think Grasso is a much bigger name than, than Arujo, right? Like, I think they tried to... Grosso, when Grosso came over from Invicta, there was a like, oh, this this woman is going to be something. She's a real prospect in the division. She had some setbacks, et cetera, but for better or worse, like she was somebody that there was some momentum put behind. Uh, and I never at least got the sense that the same was with Arujo coming out of – she like, did she fight Pancrase or something like that? Wouldn't she – pull this up. Yeah, she's Pancrase before here. Um I, I never get the the same vibes. I think it's just that Grasso is a more known commodity. Uh, I do think she's a better boxer. Like that's, I, I think that that is like the clearest defined skill here. Advantage is the boxing of Grasso, but 
I, I don't think it's like a massive edge either. So I, I honestly don't have a great read on this fight because I don't feel like I know Grasso that well. Um, I have consistently picked Viviani Arujo fights correctly. Uh, I think I've only missed one of her like nine fights on Tapology, where I've done really poorly uh, picking Alexa Grasso fights. So, you know, that might be why I don't feel like I have a great read on this. Yeah, it's it's because I'm looking at MMA decisions because I I haven't gone back and watched the Araujo Chukagin fight, but I remember watching it live and I thought Araujo won that fight watching it live. So I'm looking at MMA decisions and it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's like 10 to seven Araujo. It was a close fight. I thought Viviani won that fight. We could be looking at her in a whole different light because death taxes Chukagin by decision, even if she loses those fights, but the other loss was to Jessica I and she just kind of laid an egg. And, but the Andrea Lee fight was, was a that's good a one. Tough, Andrea, that's a tough L though. Laying an egg against Jessica is a tough. Yeah, like that's just that's a tough one, man. Doesn't look good. Yeah, that was a big upset. Everybody, no one thought Jessica was going to win that fight, and she went out there and won the fight. And then the Chukagian fight happens. I thought Arujo won, and the Andrea Lee performance is the one that really stood out to me because she lost the first round. She got dropped badly, and then we had everything that sort of happened in the corner. She was coming off two back-to-back finishes against Antonina Shevchenko. Then she brutally finished Cynthia Calvillo, and it looked like Andrea Lee was kind of on the trajectory to get back to where she was before she lost to Joanne Calderwood at UFC 242. And then Araujo, I don't know if was, I don't know if it was Tony Kelly or whatnot, but something sparked in her and the tides of that fight completely changed. And Araujo just dominated the rest of the way. So if, if it comes down to two, two heading into the fifth round, this fight is closer than the betting line suggests. And it goes down to the fifth round and it comes down to who's got the more dog in them. Do you feel like Alexa Grasso is more dog, or do you feel like Viviani Arujo has a little bit more of that of that dog in her? Probably Arujo. Um, I'm maybe that's just sort of my feeling on Grasso too, because I, like I said, I have felt she is underachieved for me. Like I, watching her fight, I always feel like there is something more, and that she is not maximizing her talents and and her skills. Uh, and maybe some of that is that she doesn't feel like she has the same level of dog in her that you would want. But I mean, we're going to find out because I do think this is going 25 minutes probably. And we're probably going to, it's going to be close. Like very, it is very, very possible that the fifth round decides this fight. Honestly, it might even be probable that the fifth round decides this fight. So that being said, what is the official pick? Is it Alexa Grasso to keep this going? Maybe get her way into a title fight if Caitlin Chukagian wins, or does Viviani Arujo pull off the upset and stake her claim? All week I've been saying Grasso's going to win. Uh, I think I'm going to change my mind right now, just because I thought because I think Grasso's a better boxer, and I don't think Arujo has like a huge opportunity to score like repeated takedowns on her. Uh, so I think that that gives her like a stylistic edge. Uh, and I really, I feel pretty tough about backing older fighters. Like it's, this game is unforgiving as all hell, but I, this just feels like a spot that Alexa Grasso has been in and, and misstepped. Like she's, she's been doing it in her UFC run. Uh, the, I mean, Carla Esparza is the champ. So maybe you don't take anything away from that, but like, Felice Herrig, that 
you know, j- just just had a couple of those. So I'm going to say that it happens again. She's on the cusp of a title fight. Feels like a very Alexa Grasso thing to come in and underwhelm here. I feel like if Alexa doesn't get her out of there in the first two rounds, I think this is Vivi's fight to lose. Like, I think Viviani can, like, I because I feel like she's got a little bit more dog in her as well. And I feel like the longer the fight goes, I feel like it favors her a little bit more getting into the trenches. And if it gets to the fifth round, and I think you're right, I think we are going to have a 2-2 fight, especially a plus 195. I'm looking at it from like a betting perspective. It's it's Araujo, just the way we're sort of talking it out right now. So it's go. Yeah, I have a feeling we're, we're taking a sh- <laughs> as we, <laughs> we talked, talked it out. <laughs> as we talked through, it's like I don't really know why I think Grasso is going to win. Eh, I'll change my mind. It's fine. I mean, I feel like we're definitely taking a trip to Splitty City here, and if we're going to do that, oh. then I'm going to back. I'm going to back the dog here. You know, that's a great idea. Let's take a look, look at what we're what doing here. We're talking out. We're talking out. Viviani Arujo to win by splitty or majority decision plus 1100. Ooh, sprinkle. A little sprinkle. There's some, there's some legs to that. Just saying, there's a little <laughs> bit of leg on that, a little bit of meat on that bone. <laughs> well, maybe we'll, we'll find out if, if Jed is going to put a little sprinkle on that. Let's go to the my co-main book, event. My book you... does not have that available to me, so that's on DraftKings.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Well, let's go to the co-main event. You have labeled this as potentially a very sad co-main event. We have Jonathan Martinez, the minus 205 favorite, taking on the always professional Hall of Famer, Cub Swanson, who comes back at plus 175. But the big story heading into this fight is that 
Cubby's making the drop to 135, shows up at the weigh-ins with the shades on, ready to go. He tweeted out about a half hour before actually showing up to the scale that he was on weight, just didn't feel like waiting around at the apex for hours and hours. So he shows up, makes the weight, championship weight, 135. He didn't look destroyed on the scale at all. Why do you think this fight's going to be sad? Because Cub Swanson's old. <laughs> is that is that not enough? Like, I don't... I don't know who this fight is for. Like, this is, I don't, I really don't. He looked okay on the scale, so that's at least positive. But the amount of times that I can think of that a fighter late into their, like late, late into their career has decided they're going to drop weight and it be both a good and effective change is exactly one. And it was exactly Jose Aldo. And even his first cut down didn't look great. <laughs> he looked pretty tough in that fight. So I don't I don't think that this is – Cub Swanson was not failing at featherweight because he was too small. Like that was not the thing that held him back at featherweight ever. So now he's going to a division where he's – you can't do it. This doesn't work. Like it – uh, honestly, maybe the most remarkable thing of Jose Aldo's career was that he somehow literally reinvented his entire freaking fighting style at, you know, 15 years into the game, dropped to a faster weight class and thrived. Like that's just Cub Swanson is going to a weight class where honestly, he's not even going to be the biggest bantamweight there. Like they're going to be dudes who are bigger than him and he's not going to be anywhere near as fast as what's going on around him. Like this is, this is the worst. As you get older, move up. Don't move down. That's how physics and anatomy works, man. Like he could have more success, I think, had he just put on a little bit of weight and gone to lightweight. But, and Jonathan Martinez doesn't suck. Like that's the other end of this. Pretty good fighter. He's a pretty good fighter. He's going to kick him in the legs a bunch. And Cubs going to be old and he's just going to look old. And it's going to be sad. So, Going back to 2014, lost to Frankie Edgar, lost to Max Holloway, wins four in a row, and then losses to Ortega, Edgar, Moicano, and Burgos. And then beats Crone. Daniel Pineda was coming off of a really nice performance. People are very high on this guy. Cub I love that we, we just breezed past beating Crone because <laughs> beating Cron Gracie is a whatever. Hey, he beat oh, Gracie. That's at fine. the time. At the time, yeah. that win aged beautifully, but we just haven't seen Crone <laughs> since. So, knocks out Daniel Pineda after a nice comeback first round. He took a shot, t- took some punishment in that first round, came back and won the fight. Dealt with leg, like brutal leg kicks in that fight. Came back and got the finish. Man. Loses to Giga. Giga was a murderer at the time. And then he came out with maybe the best finish of his career in his last fight against Darren Elkins, who has probably seen better days at this point. So, I don't know, man. Like, I think the important thing you just said there, though, he the leg, the Pineda leg kicks. Jonathan Martinez is good at kicking people in the legs. <laughs> this is gonna be bad. He's way faster. This is gonna be bad, man. Like, look at those losses. Were any of those losses because Cub was too small? Frankie Edgar, no. Brian Ortega, no. Like Hanato and Marcano, maybe you could make the argument Shane because Marcano is huge. I don't think he lost to Shane Burgos because he was smaller than Shane Burgos. He just Shane Burgos is just a tough mf'er man. <laughs> like that dude is just it's just a hard guy to fight. 
Uh, Giga Chikadze, I don't think the size was the difference maker there. And he beat Darren Elkins, who, you know, also a little bit faded, but like the, the size was not the issue. He's going to a faster division. That is going to be a huge problem for him, I think. Like that's going to be a very big issue for him. And he's 38 years old. Like this just seems like I don't like what's the purpose? Do, do we think he's ma- does he think he's making a title run? Surely he doesn't think he's making a Bantamweight title run. Like, that would be an insane thought to have, right? No, I think he wants to fight your eye favor. That's what I think he wants to do. Like, I think he's doing this to possibly... Because that was that was the main reason he wanted to drop fight, in the first place. fight your eye favor. I have no him. issue with that. They should have made it. I don't know why yeah. they didn't. I don't I'm know why cool they didn't. That. Also, do you think Uriah gives a shit about fighting at 35? Most of his career was at featherweight. Like you fight him at forty or whatever, just fight your IFA. But that's a great fight. Makes total sense. This fight makes less. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting pairing, especially for the bantamweight debut. If we're gonna do the Faber fight or something like that, I get it. But I don't yeah, know, man. I, that's I, a great I, fight. I love that fight. That's an awesome fight. Let's do that. So you are clearly not picking Cub Swanson here. You are picking Jonathan Martinez. So my question to you is. Do you remember when Vanderlei dropped to middleweight and how that worked out? And it was awful. It sucked yeah, ass. But, <laughs> so how does this end? Do, does Cub Swanson make it to the final horn? The way you're talking, I don't know if you, if you think he will. I mean, he's still really tough. But I don't. I'm going to say Yes. Just because Martinez hasn't been a huge finisher in the UFC and Cub is still tough. But I think it's going to be a 30-27, 30-26 kind of performance for Martinez here. There's some I, – like I get where you're coming from and I understand the betting lines are where they're at. And I think Jonathan is a very good fighter. I think he's getting better. I think he's getting a little more patient with the way he competes, the leg kicks. But – if you can entice Jonathan Martinez into a fun brawl, he will be happy to do that. And that's where I think Cub Swanson can shine because I know Davy Grant hits very, very hard, but at the same token, Jonathan Martinez has been dropped a few times in his fights. He leaves yes. himself open for some big shots. So to me, I feel like Cub is, is in this thing. Now, this is something where Cub's going to have to get him out of there in the first half of the fight, or he's probably not going to win. But I think there's going to be openings in there within the first half of this fight for him to land a big shot and potentially send the MMA nostalgias home happy. So just because I'm feeling a little bit crazy, I'm going to pick Cub Swanson to, to get the finish here because I honestly think it's the only way he's going to win this fight is if he gets him out of there and lands a big shot. But the longer this fight goes, 100% favors Jonathan Martinez for sure. But I think Cubs got some magic in him. I think he's got some magic in him. So I'm going to take it. Maybe I'm, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to fake take a, di- a, a a dog shot here with my, with my imaginary money and put it on the Cubs Swanson at plus Monopoly 175. Dollars. Monopoly dollars. It, What's the line on Cubs Swanson by KOTKO? Uh, let me pull that up for you. It's a great question. Uh, Cause I agree. If he wins, it has to be that. Like, I don't think he's possibly winning a decision here. So if you're going to bet Cub, just go ahead and bet that. Plus five fifty, so you get a lot of extra juice on that. I would take that over a Cub bet at one seven five. So, yeah, I'm a little surprised that that Cub by decision is the favored prop. That seems odd, but hey, Vegas probably knows more than me. We have 
Just go Todorovic versus Jordan Wright on this main card. Yeah. That's going to be very fun. Uh, we have Misha Serkinov against Alonzo Menafield. Speaking of a guy gonna, who's that's gonna be really needs a win, that's Misha Serkinov right now. And, and He's done. Because, He's like you booked. said, yeah, a guy who goes from – 205 to 185 for a couple fights loses that's even worse go back yeah i know how you feel about that that is even worse it is an awful thing for someone who's 38 years old to decide i'm going to cut to a new cut to a new weight class that's just never going to ever work out what's even worse is when somebody tries dropping to a weight class doesn't have success and then bumps back up because then what they're saying is I don't I keep losing and I don't know why. And the actual answer is you don't have it anymore. And that's okay. Like all of us lose our fastball at some point in time. Uh and and that's what happens every time a fighter does this. Not like a Kevin Holland. I'm gonna cut to 170, but I'll take some 185 fights because I just want to be active and fun. This was a very clear Circonov was not succeeding light heavyweight. I'm going to make an effort to be a middleweight. I lost twice as soon as I did that. This sucks to make this weight, and I'm not good here either. I'm just going to go back. He's done. He's lost six of eight or something like that. Like, he's just done. Man's cooked. Uh, this is going to be a violent knockout for Minifield. So that's going to be the first fight of the main card. But with the unfortunate loss of Brandon Royval versus Askar Askarov, the second fight of the main card will be a bantamweight bout between Rafael Sunsau and Victor Henry getting the old bumski here. And... I know you talked a little bit about it on your betting column. You talked a little bit about it on No Bets Bar, but we were talking a little bit before we hit record here. I like Victor Henry a lot. I the, the fact that he's just now getting into the UFC, I thought he probably deserved to get there sooner than he did. He had a great debut against Jaime Barcelos on short notice, got the job done. But Victor Henry, from a betting perspective, is he a minus 410 favorite against Rafael Sunso? Like I know Rafael Sunso has lost four in a row, and he's and if you look at the resume of defeats, he's only lost to guys who are either on the come up, who people are very high on. They're former champions. They're fighting for titles coming up in eight days. These are the guys he's losing to. Why are we here? I, I feel am, am I crazy for thinking that minus four ten is just way too wide here? I think it's the second worst line on the entire card. Um I get Victor Henry being a favorite. And we were talking about beforehand, like I'm less high on Victor Henry. I think he's fine. Like he's just a solid bantamweight. Like he's just a solid bantamweight. Like that is who Victor Henry is supposed to be. Um, but he had a great debut performance in the organization. So he's riding really high right now. A Sunsau hasn't won in forever. Um, even when he was one of the top five bantamweights in the world, you just forgot that he was one of the top five bantamweights in the world because he was just that kind of fighter. Like nobody, his performances weren't wildly memorable. Uh, his, his game is just fundamental soundness. Like that is the all his game was was not a plus anywhere. It's just everything I do is really solid. I don't make mistakes. And I take advantage. Should you have them? Uh, it's one of those games. It's great. Uh, and like what you should teach young fighters to fight like, but it's also one that by definition nobody remembers or cares about. And if you ain't going to back that up with anything on the mic and a Sunsau sure wasn't, then that's that's why you never fight for a title. Like that is why Rafael Sunsau never fought for a belt was exactly what I laid out right there. So I understand how the line got here. 
And I do think Victor Henry should probably be favored because Rafael Suntel's 40. Um, that's tough. Uh, this is tough to be 40 in this weight class. <laughs> it's very difficult to fight well. But he shouldn't be an 80% favorite over Sun Tzu. Like that's that line is feels really off. Um, I think this is a 60-40 fight, maybe 65-35. But like I can absolutely see a world where a Sun Tzu isn't because it's not like Victor Henry is gonna like wildly out athlete him, right? Like he's probably a be- he's a better athlete at this point. I'm I'm willing to say that. But like Cody Garbrandt, when he fought a Sun Tzu, it just they were on two different speeds. Like they were not playing the same game. Like Victor Henry's probably not going to look like that. And so, and it's not like his technique is better. I, w- I was going to say like way better. I just don't think his technique's any better. <laughs> so, and this fight's a lot closer than that. Um, unless the Sun Tau's fully cooked. Like he might be. He's 40 years old. He hasn't won in a long time. He hasn't fought in like almost a year. He might just be cooked. But I feel like he's still got a little juice left in the tank. And, you know, well, he's not fighting Ricky Simone and Cody Garbrandt, like these otherworldly athletes. I think he's going to do a lot better as a result. Yeah. And I'm not saying, and I'm with you, I'm not saying Victor Henry shouldn't be favored minus 250, yeah. somewhere around there. I'm cool with it, but minus 410 just really, really jumped out at me. So I think like th- th- this was the low key banger for sure when we had Roy Val versus Askarop, and now it's on the main card. So I don't know if we can call it that, but. Is there a low-key banger here? I mean, it doesn't even have to be a fight per se. It could be just like a fighter that is flying under the radar that you're just looking forward to watching tomorrow. Mm, no. <laughs> uh, this undercard is a bit of a tough hang. Uh, Tatsuya Tyra, CJ Vergara. I know Vergara missed weight. That fight's still probably incredibly fun. Um, that probably would have been my low-key banger call uh, just because – Tire, I think Tyre's going to tap him, but if he doesn't, he's probably going to get knocked out because, um, like, that's just a world that's going to happen here. Uh, that fight's really fun. Um, I will just to bring up another topic. Because I just said that the Hafele Sunset line is the second worst betting line on the entire card, let me present to you the first worst betting line on the entire <laughs> card. Um, a little man named – if you listened to No Bets Barred, this will surprise you because I put this man in a parlay, but that parlay is entirely a gimmick because there are two fighters with the last name Rodriguez. And so I just parlayed them up because I thought that was funny. I have no idea why Pete Rodriguez is a minus six, six seventy five favorite over any human being alive. That's not entirely true. I know why, because Mike Jackson is Mike Jackson and the world does not respect him. Uh, at least as a fighter. And I'm not saying that the world should, but like, Pete Rodriguez shouldn't be this big a favorite over anybody who is actually knows how to sort of fight. He just hasn't earned that. And he may well come and knock Mike, uh, Mike Jackson out like immediately. It's entirely possible. But he's fought like a combined four minutes over not a lot of great competition. And the one good guy he fought, granted, Jack Della Maddalena is a really good fighter, but he got the screws put to him it's just you we get this a lot and it's like i don't i bet on mike davis also just as a because like out of principle i don't think mike davis is good at fighting but like mike jackson yeah mike jackson sorry um i don't think mike jackson's good at fighting but like minus 675 is 
Like that is a number that should really exclusively be reserved for people like Valentina Shevchenko and John Jones and stuff like that. Not a four and one dude who's been fighting for like two years. Like that's just not how this, this game is insane and anything could happen. And that's just outrageous. Yeah. It depends on what your tastes are. If you're a fan of wrestling and takedown opportunities and takedown attempts, you're going to get them in bunches with the Nick Maximoff, Jacob Malkoon fight. I think Malkoon's probably a, I mean, he's a dog, so I think that's a worth a look from a betting perspective. Uh, Mana Martinez, Brandon Davis, someone's someone's going nine nine in that fight. I, I feel pretty confident in that. And then uh, Joe Anderson Brito is a guy that that I'm very high on. So we'll see how he does. He's taking on a, a short notice newcomer, Lucas Alexander. P- I think Pierre Rodriguez, Sam Hughes is actually going to be a fun fight. I know I Pierre's got I the better Pierre's record, but we'll see. Sam's look good in her last couple fights, so. She's got some dog in her. She's moved camps, seems to be working for her. So we'll see what happens. And I'm I'm very high on Tatsuro Tyra. The weight miss Tyra, is unfortunate. Is yeah, he's he's real good. And Vergara is a knockout artist. So I know it's like a, technically a flyweight under, but this is it's not. No, I I texted uh, I texted my co-host on No Bet Spark Connor Burks this morning. It's like actually we don't have any flyweight unders this week, uh, since one fight left and this one is now no longer. So it's really the best of both worlds, because if it hits, it's for sure a flyweight under. And if it doesn't, well, it wasn't a flyweight <laughs> under. So there fine. you go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's go to the peeps. Let's see what the peeps are thinking right now. I know a lot of a lot of Victor Henry fans in here. We got Casey in the house, yeah. bad stash in MA media. In all of MMA, all of MMA, all, all of, of media, and all of everything. Yeah, I'm not willing to say all of the world. Is Tom Selleck a journalist? <laughs> I was about to like, say Tom Selleck is still around, but yeah, but he's like, he's old get, news though. Um, yeah, I could I could angle bake him, Mr. Baseball. Oh. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so good, uh, Sam. What is it? Sam, Sam Elliott. Yeah, Sam Elliott. Come on, Sam uh, Elliott has the best stash in the world. Yeah, we right, can't right, deny right. that one. That's true. All right. Okay. To the questions. What are we do, thinking do, here? Do 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 do. Uh, where did I get? Um. Ah, here we go. Hold on. What? Get it all side. Everyone's like. Do, do, do. Everyone's like. Can we just get to 280 for the love of God? I know, right? I Mike and Jed, do you see Askarov moving up to bantamweight? And do Royval versus Car France two for UFC two eighty four. Do you think they'll bump? I mean, this is this is two out of three fights for this is the second time Askarov's well, missed. I, I brought this up kind of before we started recording. I was like, yeah, why isn't Askar Askarov getting the uh, the Aspen Lad treatment in the sense of like, I can't believe you're you're screwing over all these fighters. You got to move up. You got to move up and wait. You know, uh, I, I mean, at what point is this? Is this on the UFC now? At this point, if Askarov. I mean, CJ Fergara should also have to go up because he's missed. This is his second weight miss as well. So both these guys should probably move up, but there's there should and will. And I think I think Vergara will have to move up. I think Askarov's going to have a little bit of a longer leash. But yeah, and Casey, I'll I'll present this here because Casey brought up an interesting point earlier, because when Aspen Ladd missed missed way to get for you know, the second time or a third time or whatever. I mean, it was just uproar, uproar on Aspen Lad. But for Askar Askarov, it was more heartbreak than uproar. But I think it's more because people just wanted to see Brandon Royval bring chaos to the cage. Is that what it is, Jed? It's just 
people are just more upset that Roy Val is not fighting more than Askarov missed weight uh, or had struggles. Extent, it's also no one cares about Asker Askarov. Like that's just the cold hard truth. Like there aren't Asker Askarov fans, at least that we interact with. I'm sure he has a lot of fans in the other hemisphere of the world or whatever, but like no one cares here. So it's – and I'm not even saying that Aspen Ladd has fans in that regard, but like Aspen Ladd was easier to pile on. She had all the other stuff going on and it all happened in like a pretty condensed window and she was just a more out there per- – she was more in the in the spotlight person whereas Askar Askarov hasn't been. I mean even when he was like 18-1 and one or whatever his outrageous record was before he finally got caught, um, like he – Nobody cared. So it's just – it's the the other – the benefit to not talking and not being interesting is when you do have slip-ups and screw the pooch, nobody talks about it because you're already not interesting, so no one cares. <laughs> I, will, I will say one thing. I can't dive into everything that I've been told about this whole situation, but one thing I will say is that the talk of Askarov turning down a catchweight fight is not accurate. So I'll put that out there uh, from people that I've spoken with. That is just not wholly accurate. And it's not somebody from Askarov's team that told me that. So just putting that out there, um, that that talk of they offered him a catch weight and he turned it down is is just not wholly accurate. So just wanted to put that out there. So, so I, I did see that a lot today. That was the grief more than anything, but mostly because I think people just wanted to see Brandon Royval fight. And if there was a p- possible for a catch weight, they're – that was just, you know, pile up on him. Oh, he didn't want to take a catchweight fight. That's not really the truth. And this is all based on Roy Val's tweet, right? Yes. The, okay. And, that, and that's always been this big issue of the UFC. Like, like, don't you have a PDA? Like, all these PR people. Like, I don't know. Let, Do they? Do like, they? <laughs> they let Dana White go out and talk, like, all the time, which should, like, they shouldn't. He should never speak. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Do no you, idea. Now for Royval, would you rather see Royval no, Car France too? Don't do this. Don't do this. What about, no. or would you rather do Royval Pantoja too in Brazil? I like that a lot better. Uh, I'm not entirely sure Pantoja accepts that fight, just because I think he has the next title fight. Like he's the backup for this one, so I'm not sure. Maybe he will take it. Um, and that fight makes a lot more sense. Kai Car France should fight Alex Perez. Like that's don't he lost make him fight somebody else who has lost like don't don't make don't ruin Hoyval or even make that a thing Hoyval's doing well like let him let him rise let let things move let the let the weight class churn so yeah I mean the fight would be fun because the first fight was fun but no don't do this fight what happened with Manal Cop? is he didn't if then he if I get dropped out last moment for him like where is he he just seems kind right. of he seems he's, he was like right there. Everyone was talking about him. And then he kind of disappeared again. Is he just? Yeah, there is a. I just want to pull up to make Rogerio sure I have this correct. Yeah, and Bontorin couldn't make weight, and then Bontorin kidney got cut. issues. Yeah, and they released they released Bontorin because of that. Yeah, I mean he the, he was supposed to fight, and then there was a a positive test, but it wasn't anything that like like should have kept him out of any fights. Yeah. You know, Vegas is cool with him fighting on other cards, but yeah, that, the Bontrian thing things. was... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, 
All I was saying was that's about- the one I want. That's the one I've been clamoring for. That's the one. That's my on to the next one pick. I don't care where either of these guys are ranked. That's the fight I want to see. Is Roy Val? Yeah, it'd be really fun, but that's yeah. just not gonna happen. Yeah, just. Yeah, all right. Um, last thing on Askarov, because uh, actually we talked about Asman Lad missing weight. Talked about Bontorang missing weight. No. Do I see Askarov getting cut? Probably not. It's, but but we but we just said no one cares about him, so that's why that's why I'm kind of, kind of wondering. He's still a top fifteen flyweight. I, I don't think they cut him for this. Okay. I think if he does it if they if he does it again, yeah, I think I think he has a little more leash on this. Right. Yeah, he's got. I mean, he's listen. He's not the most. I mean, before he got to the UFC, he was super fun to watch. His first couple fights were super fun to watch. Uh, the Kai Car France fight was, he was entertaining, way fun but before more. he got to the UFC. Yeah. But he's awesome yeah, I, I, he's a top. He, I mean, I know he's a he, top fifteen. Obviously, he is. But I think he's probably one of the seven or eight best twenty-five. He's undeniably on one the of roster the top right ten. Now. Undeniably yeah, one 100%. of the ten best flyweights in the world. All right. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to get cut. But yeah, okay. I mean, I, I don't want the man to lose his job. I'm just, but you know, there's the UFC does that stuff. So that's all. Conversations need to happen, though. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go. Um, this goes back to, I guess, uh, yeah, the, the, back to the main event and more, I guess, the, the interest or lack of interest. Would casuals care for the winner of Alexa versus Viviani getting a title no. shot? Does the winner have name value that those fans would care about? No. But it, here's the thing. But, but it is, in this division in particular, I don't think it matters as much as any other division. Because it all. Valentina, it's all about Valentina. That, it's just line them up for Valentina Shevchenko right now. Did and the casuals care about Tyler Santos? No. <laughs> no, but interesting now. Like, no. right? I actually don't know yeah. Electra Grasso's popularity in Mexico. I know she does a lot See, of... She, she could be popular in Mexico. Yeah, I, I just don't know. So yeah. I, I'm, kind, I'm kind of speaking on my ass a little bit when I talk about her popularity or how much the fans care about her because I don't know how she how she's perceived in Mexico but um, is the UFC if man but it just seems if UFC is ever planning to go back to Mexico City like like they should not please don't do that it, it Marvel, will be just there, don't, no, no everyone under 155 no no don't no just don't do title fights at elevate don't do any fights true. at elevation like you could take a fight night card there with people that don't matter, but don't do real fights that matter at elevation. It just makes everything wonky and stupid. There, there's almost an asterisk by all those fights. Anything that happens, yeah. Makes, yeah, I know what you mean. And, yeah. and like, well, and like the title, like the big fights, are the ones that get the most attention, like Kane and and stuff. But like, the reality is, the dudes at the top of those cards, they're the ones who are best able to travel out two months in advance they're fighting for a belt or whatever so they can go to utah for a month and acclimate like contender series bro making 10 and 10 or 12 and 12 whatever it is can't afford to go to mexico city for a month to be prepared so he's just gonna roll it off the street and it's chaos it's just not don't do that shit man just book them in real places i don't care how much utah pays you to come just just book real fights in real places is there is there any chance to, is there any chance for UFC the UFC to have a pay per view in Mexico that's not Mexico City? I'm not. I'm, I know it seems I'm unlikely, not. but yeah, I, a problem. I am yeah. not a super well versed yeah. in that. Yeah, on the, yeah, yeah, on the, on the land. But it seems it seems unlikely. Yeah, it does. All right. Yeah, I would no, I would agree with that. I would agree with All that. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, we're, we're not going to get to like we're not going. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to get to the point of. 
125 being, I mean, it's interesting, obviously, if, because Santos gave her a run. But three years from now, if Valentina's still out here defending her title and she's sticking around at 125, I mean, we're going to have some interesting, uh, we're going to have some interesting competition I, for her. I will say that as much as I'm against the Mexico City thing, if Moreno beats Figgy in the Tetralogy and they took two flyweight title fights to Mexico City, Moreno versus Pants and Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso, that would be a pretty dope event. It would sell like 40 pay-per-views, but it would be kind of cool. And and that would be the least affected. <laughs> the the flyweight divisions would probably be the least mucked up by the elevation. Hello, Is that uh, golfer back there. Is that the, the junior golfer? Hello. Watch this. So watch this card. Are you doing a magic trick on my bald head? Sound electricity, and all of a sudden you. To no one can see what you're doing, though. <laughs> to say. I, don't, no. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it was there before you got on camera. I, I get a test of that. Thank you. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, live TV, baby. Live TV. Love it. Love right. it. Oh, I was, I was also going to say for Mexico City, there's also Nunes versus Aldana kind of sitting out there, too. Oh, God. That would be we insane because no, because yeah. Nunes would lose. I would, like that's definitely a way Nunes loses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I'm Nunes, you never take that fight, dude. If I'm if I'm Juliana Pena, I'm just like I'll only fight you in Mexico. Let's <laughs> yeah. do it. Let's go to Mexico City. You will wail on me and be exhausted. I would pick Pena over Nunes if it was in Mexico. A hundred percent. I would pick her over there. I would. Yeah, you're Nunes right. would bomb on her for ten minutes and be gassed. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> Because Juliana Pena is the toughest person alive, apparently. Yeah. Uh, I'll take a couple more. A couple more. Uh, All right, real quick. (laughs) Try to get this done. You're still half off the screen. Yeah. Do it in front of your dad's face. Oh, yep. yep. There you go. It's floating. Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Okay, that actually looked right. a little better that time. There we go. All right. Yes, you oh, got a round nice. of applause. There was no string. I would have done this. Yeah, but there is no string. All right. Thank you very much. I have learned a lot Dave about Blaine, static electricity, business. science. Did you think you'd get a science lesson here on this Vegas 62 preview We're show? We're a podcast I bet not. network of science. Yeah. That's, what we That's are. right. That's what we are. If you want science, listen to No Bets Barred. They get science. I, I unveiled like three new things this week, so it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Do you have anything else? Because the fans want to know. How is Mike Jackson still in the UFC? Because he's coming off a win. Win. That's why. A win. You can't get a win. Plus 700, baby. Cashing them <laughs> tickets. Entire again, just so we can circle this back. I bet Mike Jackson last time because Dean Barry shouldn't be a minus eight fifty favorite over any dude in the UFC. And I know that it was stupid, but I got the W and I'm just gonna keep riding that train because Pete Rodriguez shouldn't be a minus seven hundred favorite. It's just not how this should work. Maybe you can get a second straight win here who knows it would be incredible if mike jackson just puts together a win streak in the ufc oh. 
unbelievable. Oh, if if he gets just kicked in the balls in the first thirty seconds and the fight's called, he gets oh a God. he gets a win from that, like or something. I, don't I, know. I would love it. I'd love it so much. That fight is gonna be weird. Something weird is gonna happen in that fight. Either way. Boris Daniels, I I have the same question though. Like we don't have to give him a fight. I know he won. We could just cut him. It's okay. But you know. Hey, Mike not, Jackson not still doing. in the UFC. Mickey Gall, not. Look at that. Is Mickey Gall not in the UFC? He was released. No, he's he's oh, one of those. He, he's yeah, his contract he, he he didn't part ways. His contract's just up. There's a very good chance his next fight's in the UFC all right, from, all right, all right. from all accounts. So right. he wasn't Don't. caught. He wasn't released. Just contract ended. And, all right, all right. He can't go to BKFC. I don't think that's really a pull for him. I don't, And I don't even think he can win a, a, a PFL tourney. So, yeah, maybe the UFC is the best play for him. All right. Uh, what else we got here? Do, do, do. Um, yeah, just some people actually – I know we're kind of dogging the card. Good for but. you, buddy. No, I, I like this card better than 61. I do like it better than 61. Um, right for, I mean, it just, it's chaos. And again, we've, we've made this point many times, and I will reiterate it because it makes sense now. Because we're seeing it in front of our eyes if you watch NFL football. We can, the football analysts can talk about games not looking good on paper for Thursday night. And it just tur- so turns out that the last couple of Thursday night games have been a, just the worst sporting events in the <laughs> last 15 that years. That depends on your perspective, because <laughs> let me tell you, the group chat between me and my friends last night was electric. Because <laughs> that game, man, football at its yeah. finest. There's this episode of uh, – because I'm obviously older, so I watched Boy Meets World, and there's an episode of Boy Meets Great World show. where Eric Matthews is playing pool <laughs> with with Frankie Stakito, and the, no one sunk a ball for like five hours. <laughs> I that's remember what this. The, Thursday night, that's what like Thursday Night Football is like right now. No one sinks a billiards ball for five hours. I really thought that the Commanders were going to miss the field goal at the end of the first half, and it would just <laughs> be tied to zero. I was like, I can't believe this is incredible. So, um, if you have yeah, a great group I, I of friends that you can text fun. about bad cards with, this is a great card yeah. for you. Yeah, this I, is, I, I, I actually think it's gonna be a fun I, one. I'm honestly very. I, I like I like the Maximov Malkoon fights. I love two grindy wrestlers when they have to fight each other because usually something stupid is gonna it's happen. Could be ugly. Yeah, I, I, I love ugly fights. I think ugly fights are fun to watch. Ugly yeah, fights are hilarious. Yeah, they're hilarious. I so, think, Ma- uh, and I think Malkoon's good. He like mm-hmm. he. He very he was very close to beating Brendan Allen. He was very very, very close. That yeah, third yeah. round came apart for him, but he was very close to to beating Brendan Allen. And Brendan Allen, who has the title of the 16th best middleweight in the world after submitting Christoph Jotko, that would have been a, a, what a, a finely aged victory. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not with you guys. This is a, <laughs> if if you've nothing to do on Saturday, or if you're just into this card, I never want to yuck your yum, baby. You have a great Saturday. If if you're on the fence, you don't know what to do. Take this weekend off. Two eighties next weekend. Save your time and energy for that one. Hang with the family this week. Go to <laughs> MMAfighting.com for all your coverage needs, and you're golden. No, I wasn't. Yes. I wasn't and saying. I wasn't saying people should cancel their dinner plans to make this card. I was just saying if, if you are going to be home, though, there's no about yeah, the channels you have nothing to watch. To, yeah, that's the thing. Fight. It's fighting is like cold pizza. Yeah, nothing else. It's not bad. Like it's never bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one right. and the thing 
the best thing that that is going to come out of this card is the anticipation levels for UFC 280 are going to be even higher because you know they're going to spend a ton of time promoting this card, tons of video packages, tons of stuff getting you ready. This is the go home show, and they're using this. They're using this like WWF used to do in the 90s with their other shows. They would spend time. They'd you'd have like a match or two, but for the most part, it was promos promoting the pay-per-view, showing packages to get you ready for the pay-per-view so you could spend your money. And the UFC is going to do that big time on this card tomorrow. And I don't blame them. so good. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So good. We're going to have some I, fun next week. I desperately need Islam Makachev to win or I'm going to have to eat. This is your Glover. I'm not ready for. This is your Glover to share a taps Yuri in the first round moment right now. This is. I I still feel unbelievably confident in it, but if I'm wrong, it's gonna suck for like a solid week and a half on on these internet streets. It's gonna be a tough hang. (laughs) Well, that's next week. Do we have anything more for tomorrow? Um, Are we good? Can we just start uh, talking about 280 because it rules? (laughs) Uh, Like. We could lose two fights on it, but it's still a dope card. Oh man, I don't. And it's a daytime card too, so we get the yes, yes. even better. Yes, I, ah, so good. Um, even better. This is a quick. Just a uh, just finish this off. It's a quick one. Would Mike or Jed look better with Cubs tattoos? I don't think I can pull off tattoos. You can't. You can't. Do I have the, two. The one I. Oh, those I have two oh. tattoos. I think, I think you have Cubs tattoos. Does he? I think he has uh, like pump. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta. Can you get like you ATL gotta be, on your back? No, you gotta be spelt. I, w- I wouldn't do that anyway. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be. You gotta be a little shredded. Um, <laughs> I'm. I'm. Just, wor- maybe like a month from now. Back. Who knows? Who huh? knows? Because I'm. I'm trying. That's what I'm focusing on right now. But his Killer yeah, Cub I, logo is sweet. Uh, palm is trees really less, sweet. I've, the Killer I've, Cup I've, logo is I have a Killer Cup hat. I have a Killer Cup hat. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't get that tattooed on me. Um, but, you know, it's not a tattoo yeah, I'm, yeah. I have two. One I'm happy about. One I had too many a, libations. One a socks hat. <laughs> you just got a socks no, hat. It's a, it's a Celtic cross. Do you have the, you have the tribute, no. <laughs> tribute to Nana? The other one was well, St. Like, Patty's Day spring break when oh, i was like yeah. 19 years old yeah, I oh yeah please tell me NCAA you got like the, the patriot hiking the, the football logo no it's a stupid <laughs> tribal band on my arm that oh. i had way too many yeah but i had too many i had too many libations that day that the tattoo artist refused to finish it so it's only like 45 percent done because he's like i i can't do it anymore because my blood was so thin but that was a long time ago. Is I'm trying. I keep trying to give it to my wife. Like, let me do something with it. So bad. I want to. I don't know what you would do with it, but do something. It's with so it. terrible. It's so awful. I hate <laughs> it. I love the other. I mean, one. it's I a great story one. though. So bad. <laughs> it's a great oh. story though. <laughs> I drank a lot of Killians. BC got upset in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Oh. And it was rough. I was 19. That's, just how, that's just how that happens. When you're 19 and something like that happens, I know. Yep. There you go. All right. Um, I think we're good. I think we're good, gentlemen. I think we're good, too. Right, I think we're go. good, too. Eight days until hey. Islam Makachev beats the shit out of Charles Oliveira. Yes. Eight days till something very cool happening on MMAfighting.com as well. 
We can't reveal that yet. I, I'm being told Wednesday on the MMA hour, all will be revealed. So stay tuned for that. This I don't is even very know if I know what we're stuff. talking about right now. Oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah. It's, it's going to be great. So thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow, 3.30 Eastern for the People's <laughs> Pre-Fight Show. And then 11 fights. And we'll talk about it after the fact as well. So wait, wait, for Jed, for Casey, go ahead. Before we leave, can we get, can we get a peek? Oh, God. Send us out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so terrible. See, you can't even tell it's 45% done because, you know, you yeah, but if I wear, it's done in the I right wear, places. If I wear, like, a, tent, a sleeveless, it just looks horrible. My wife, like, makes me turn. Like, I have to be on the right side of the family photo if I'm wearing a tent. <laughs> it's that bad. But more tattoo stories tomorrow afternoon for Jed, for Casey, I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody. Love you guys. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.